I want to welcome those who are watching online too. So great to have you with us today. And uh, we're thankful for the technology that allows us to connect even when you're not able to be in the room. I love being back in the room. Don't you love being back in the room? And uh, yes, so good to have you in the room. We've got some people on the back patio this morning and it is gorgeous out there, is it not? Outside, just beautiful. And uh, it's why we live here. We're turning the corner to, you know, why we live here is just beautiful out there. And uh, even if you're online, we're so thankful wherever you are, there's that chat bar uh, to my left, your right, and hopefully you'll let us know where you're watching from and let us know what your favorite uh, movie that comes from a true story is. And Joe, uh, he actually, as he was walking off, I don't know if you heard him, he started chanting Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, was it good? That's a good one. And I was thinking, I wrote down a bunch of different ones. I was thinking through what are, what are the true stories and 42, do you remember 42? That's a good movie. Um, and I was reminded of that one because the Dodgers got beat last night and uh, some of you are not rejoicing in that today. Um, and, but, but I think my favorite book, and I'm, a, I'm more of a movie guy than a, than a reading books kind of a guy, but... This one, the book was better than the movie, Unbroken. Have you ever read the book Unbroken? If you haven't, you should pick it up. It is such a powerful and, and it's a great read. Um, it's the story of uh, Louis Zamperini, I think was his last name, and uh, kind of went down in a plane during World War II and was a prisoner of war. Just to, I hope that doesn't ruin it, but um, the plane does go down. <laughs> If you haven't read it by now, maybe you're not going to read it, but you should read it. It's a, it's a great one. Um, a few different things that I want to let you know about before uh, we get rolling right into the message. And if, if you're new today, thanks so much for joining us and jumping in. We know it's tough to walk into uh, a place that you've never been before, and sometimes that can feel a little uncomfortable, and I, I get that. And uh, we want you to know you're in a safe place to both explore faith and take steps of faith. So we're just so glad that you're here uh, today. We have a, an online card because we're not passing out a lot of things during this season at mcdowell.church slash card, and you can do it on your uh, uh, mobile device, your, your iPhone or whatever. Let us know that you're here. We'd love that. And also there's a place to, to write prayer requests, and uh, we have a prayer team that prays over those each and every week. So we'd love to, uh, to pray for you and uh, let us know how we can do that. Uh, also today, we're taking communion. So if you're online and uh, you, wanna, you can either pause the stream or you can uh, just at some point kind of go get some, some communion elements, some juice, uh, some water will work or, or bread. It's like the elements themselves aren't what's most important. It's what they represent, right? And if you're in the room today or if you're on the back patio today, uh, we have this in the back of the room. So at some point during the morning, you're not going to bother me if you get up and kind of slip back and grab uh, the elements because we're going to take communion uh, today in, in, as, as a part of our time together. Now, um, speaking of movies, movie night is coming up this weekend for our families. Our, our Mountain Kids team has just been killing it with some different activities, uh, trying to get some people together and in safe ways. And uh, we had some, some photos this last week, which were awesome. A couple weeks ago, we had sandbags and snow cones and so movie, week, uh, movie night this, this weekend uh, should be great. Beautiful weather, uh, it sounds like, so it's going to be awesome. And then coming up, which we're pumped about, 
We've been in this series uh, called The War Within, and we're talking about pride and humility, and one of the best ways to develop an attitude of humility, which is what the Bible calls us to do, is to serve others. So we have Serve Week coming up, and we've challenged everyone in our church who considers this their church home. So if you're someone who considers this your church home, here's the challenge if you're willing to accept it. Speaking of movies, um, the, the challenge is this. Serve outside the walls of this church. Serve other people in practical ways two times a year. That's not crazy, is it? We can all do that. Everyone can do that. You can do that, right? You can serve someone outside the walls of this church two times every year. And we really, we believe as a community that's learning to love, to do that in practical ways uh, is extremely helpful in developing that just the spirit of Christ within each of us. And so online, mcdowell.church slash serve week, November 8th through 15th, there's a number of opportunities that you can go ahead and register to be a part of uh, in, in order to serve other people. So... Uh, if you can jump on and just start looking at that, if you have ideas, things that you think you could, you could lead uh, some others to do, let us know. Uh, stop by the connect room in the, in the back of the, the sanctuary today or email us at info at mcdowell.church. Let us know and we'll, um, we'll maybe be able to incorporate some of those things during serve week as we all get out and serve others in practical ways. Okay, last little thing and then we're going to jump into the message. Uh, just a quick giving update. Every now and then some people ask me, hey, where are we as a church? We know it's been a really tough season. How are we doing as a church? And, and, and where, just where are we overall? And I just have to say that God has been so good and has provided through your faithfulness and giving. And those of us who partner financially here at McDowell, uh, I just want to say thank you because I know every time you give something financially here at McDowell, you're sacrificing something uh, that you could do on your own in your home. And so many of you do that because you feel God's uh, leading to, 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 to partner in his ministry, his mission, what he's called us to be about as a church. And our giving is, is down year over year. And I I think if you get the weekly email, you see that. Our giving is down, but we've been able to keep expenses down as well. And so, you know, we're still year over year kind of running in the black, which we can celebrate that, can't we? We're running like in the black as a church. And um, uh, so I just want to say thank you for that. Now, uh, some, we, we sometimes have increased expenses toward the end of the ministry season, which, which will come. And I know you're going to be inundated from nonprofits that you've supported, because I know so many of you have hearts for nonprofits, which I love as a church that we have all these nonprofits uh, that we, we get behind. And I want you to know that if, as, the, as, as we come to the, the end of the year, if, if there are things that you want to do financially to partner with a nonprofit, we um, please remember us as a part of that. Uh, just just because we're in a good place now, uh, we, we always have things that we want to be a part of supporting in the future. So just know that if, if that's you, if you're someone who's looking for things to, to partner with, we are a place we would love your partnership in that. Um, okay. Back to the series. The war within. We all have this war within us. Every human has this war and it's, 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 it's raging. And what's interesting about this is it doesn't just rage and, and, and it's not just contained within us, but this war bubbles up to the surface of our lives and oftentimes it overflows out of our, our heart and our mind onto other people. And so this war between humility and pride, it, it doesn't just affect us, but it affects everyone 
we come in contact with. Everyone. And, uh, you know, Paul, in, in writing to the earliest church, and this church who was... Uh, these, these Christians who were trying to figure out how do we, how do we marry life and, and, and faith and how do these things come together? And, and Paul wrote this. He said, you should have the same attitude as Christ Jesus who humbled himself. It actually uses that phrase, humbled himself. And I think it's one of the key uh, characteristics or, or attitudes of Jesus himself was humility. And we are called as followers of Jesus. If we are followers of Jesus, we are called to, to humble ourselves we're called to humility, and that humility doesn't just impact us. It, imp- it impacts everyone around us, right? And you know this to be true, don't you? Have you ever uh, felt or sensed, uh, and maybe it was after the fact, pride welling up within you, and your pride uh, refused to allow you to, to have a, a, an adult conversation with someone else because you just got so angry and maybe were overtaken with angry? Am I the only one who's been in a situation, you're not shaking your head yes, like where pride was the thing that kept you from a relationship with someone because you just couldn't humble yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Because those, those, those warring uh, attitudes within us, they in, impact everything about our lives. It impacts our, our closest relationships. It impacts our parenting it impacts the way that we work, our vocation, and it impacts our neighborhood. I mean, it just impacts everything. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at a historical book. It's in the Old Testament, and it's a book of history. The, the, there are different genres of, of literature in the Bible, and this one is a historic book. And so we, we get a glimpse of uh, the early days of, of what was called Israel, uh, God's people, and we've been looking at characters specifically. And so I want to I give us kind of just a 30,000-foot view of the characters again. And we looked at three specifically. And then I want to get into some, um, some things that, that might make some of you angry. And so I'll let you know when I get close to that point so that if you, if you kind of drift off, your neighbor can wake you back up so that you can get angry for a few minutes. And then I'll try to, then we'll go to com- communion and then you can't stay angry with me. <laughs> Just, you know. So Hannah, we began with Hannah. And you remember the story of Hannah. It's one of my favorite. The more I've read it in this series, the more I just love this story. And in Hannah, you have this, this woman who desperately wanted a child, but, but just was not getting pregnant. And so she, she was actually being taunted by the people around her, like some of the closest people around her. And don't you feel like that sometimes? The people who are closest to you hurt you the most? Like you just feel that pain. And so what Hannah does is she doesn't fight back like we often fight back, like the human side of us just wants to fight back. Have you ever been in like one of those situations you wanted to fight back and you, you didn't quite fight back, but then like a week later you were like, oh, I should have said this. You know what I mean? And if I'm ever back in that situation, if she says that to me again, I'm gonna say this and you gotta write it down because you know, um, but Hannah doesn't do that. She doesn't fight back and we don't get this sense that she has this prideful heart and Position And what we find Hannah doing is humbling herself before God in prayer. And she just pours her heart out 
in prayer. And I often say, as your pastor, I often say, read your stinking Bible. And I'll say that again. You should. There's some great stories in there. But we should also pray more. I should pray more. You should pray more. Because when we, when we go to God in prayer, when we humble ourselves and we're honest before God, God often gives us this peace that we can't even explain. And that's what happened to Hannah. She went away from this, this, this humble position uh, what Sarah said was this humble posture of pouring her heart out to God, and she walks away overcome with peace. And, and I want to tell you, whatever it is that you're facing in your life today, and whatever it is, like these deep desires that sometimes the people around you seem to taunt you about, you, if you go to God in prayer, if you honestly and humbly pour your heart out to him, I believe with everything that I am that his spirit can bring you a peace, even if you don't get what you want even if you don't get what you want. And Hannah teaches us that. And what's interesting about the story of Hannah, we didn't, we didn't get real far into it, but Hannah, in pouring out her heart to God, she does what many of us do. She makes an, a deal with God. Have you ever done that? God, if you'll get me out of this situation, if you'll get me a job, I will give you 50% of what I make in this business. You know, have you ever made that? None of you are going to admit that right now because we're in church and we might pass baskets, so you're a little worried about what's going on. I promise we're not going to do that, but you, we make these deals with God. If God, if you give me this, then I'll do this. And Hannah does that. God, if, I, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. And she, she becomes pregnant. And we see Hannah take this child that she has longed for. His name was Samuel. And she takes him to Eli the priest. And she gives, she, she gives this child back to Eli the priest to serve the Lord, which in our minds we're like, wait a minute. Like she leaves her child, abandons her child. And it's not that story. It's a far different story. But Samuel becomes the last of the judges in the Old Testament and the first of the prophets in the Old Testament. It's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful story. You should read your stinking Bible. Um, and then we find Saul. So uh, Israel wants a king. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've spent some time on it. But Israel wants a king because everyone else has a king. And all these other nations have a king. And if only we could have a king like all these other nations. And God is like, you don't need a king. You have me. Follow me. Let me be your leader. And they're like, no, we need a king because everyone else has a king. And finally says, God, you know, kind of like what we do as parents. We're like, fine. If you want to touch the stove, touch the stove. But it's going to hurt. Well, we don't do that. But you know what I mean. <laughs> and God's like, fine. You want a king? Here's Saul. And Saul begins on the right track. I mean, he begins in honoring the Lord and God in, in, in the way that he leads uh, the nation. But then pride begins to creep in, like it does. Like pride begins to overcome that humility, and pride takes control of, of Saul's heart. And God gives Saul some good things, but then Saul goes and built, builds a, a statue to himself. And it's his downfall. And it's what often happens with us is that we build like this. We want everyone to remember us and, and pride often leads to the fall and it led to the fall in Saul's life. And then God, uh, through Samuel, anoints David as the next king. And you remember, David was a man after God's own heart. Some of you have read this, right? You've heard this. So David as a man after God's own heart. And we remember that phrase, oh, David was a man after God's own heart. And so... Uh, Samuel anoints David, and, and David, um, he, he displays this humility 
through patience in waiting for God's timing. He has an opportunity twice to kill Saul and, 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 and speed the process along, and he refuses to. He's just patient. He, he waits back, and I mean, he's the guy who killed Goliath. You remember that story, David and Goliath? Powerful story. He's the one who killed Goliath, and still he doesn't demand his own way. He didn't even wear armor to that battle because he, it wasn't his to wear. I mean, it's just this picture of humility. And so we see in David this humility, and, and we see God use that. But there's a rest of the story. Who was that on the radio? My dad used to listen the rest of the story. Paul Harvey. Yeah, you guys remember that. Yeah, my dad used to listen to that every now and then, the rest of the story. It was like, what's the rest of the story of David? And if you get into 2 Samuel, you see this horrendous story of David. And David, this man after God's own heart, pride creeps in as well. Captures his heart. He takes a, a, a woman who's married to one of his friends, Uriah, who was one of his fighting men, takes a woman that, that's already married, which is just a horrendous story, to cover it up, kills his friend, has his friend murdered. I mean, do you see what pride does to us? It just leads us down these pathways of destruction. And it doesn't just affect us, it affects everyone around us. So David, this man after God's heart who had this, this pure intention, pride even creeps in to his life and just leads to this destructive path. And the story of David is the story of the beginning of the downfall of Israel. A man after God's own heart. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? I, I wrote this down. Um, power often leads to pride. And pride most often leads to personal and relation, relational brokenness. And friends, listen, church, this is true for every single one of us. Every single one of us. Power puts this temptation in front of us, whether you own a business or you have resources or money or position, whatever it is, like power. Uh, there's this temptation when it comes to power to, to become people of pride and almost always pride leads to destruction. In fact, in Proverbs, uh, Solomon, King Solomon said it this way, pride goes before the fall, yeah. And you've heard, maybe heard that, that phrase, that comes from scripture, that pride goes before the fall and, and pride is what often leads to this deep brokenness within us and then relational brokenness all around us and the, the damage is great. So, now's the time where I'm gonna say some things that make some of you mad. You ready? Okay. This has been one of those rough weeks for me where I've, I've, I've felt like um, God leading me to say some things uh, that I just don't want to say. And we'll probably get through it and some of you will be like, what? That, like, and, you know, I, I feel like I need to be confronted with some truths that we find in Scripture. And I think we, if I'm going to be confronted, I want you to go with me. So, <laughs> we're a community. <laughs> Here's the first thing. And I think we find this in the story of 1 Samuel. Every earthly king and kingdom is broken. 
Every earthly king and kingdom is broken. Without fail. There is no person or platform perfectly aligned to the kingdom of God. It does not exist. And we, as people, it happened in Israel, this historical book, it happens in us, it happens in me. That we often are so passionate about a person or a platform. And, and I'll get to in, into that as, as well, but we're often so passionate and we begin to believe that it's perfectly aligned with the kingdom of God. And listen, we live... We live in a broken world and our systems and the people who are in power in those systems are broken people too, just like us, just like us. And listen, there is, there is good to be found within the kingdom under Saul. There's good to be found there, but there's also evil to be repented of with Saul in 1 Samuel. There's good to be found with David. There's things to be celebrated and, and joined in with, but there's also things to be repented of in the kingdom of David in that 1 Samuel book. And that is true in our system as well. We're in this broken system that has two sides. And listen, there is good on both sides. And that right there will make some of you so mad. Joe at McDowell.Church, just email me. <laughs> and you've figured out by now that my email is actually Matt at McDowell.Church. Email me, it's fine. You can email me. But listen, there is good to be found on both sides. And there are some things to be celebrated on both sides. But understand this, there is also evil on both sides. There is no platform that is perfectly aligned with the kingdom of God. And when we buy into that lie, we become puffed up with pride, which leads to brokenness and relational damage all over the place. And the thing that Jesus prayed for right before he was betrayed was that the church Above all else, the church would be one and that Christians would be one just as the Father and the Son were one. And by this, in this same kind of oneness and love, the world would know. The world would know the great love and grace of the Heavenly Father. And church, we are not leading the way in that. Which leads me to the second place where I'm being confronted and convicted, and here it is. We, and I think this is often born out of pure motives and good intentions, we often place our hope and trust in a person or a platform rather than in the kingdom of God. And it's as if every four years or two years, however you want to look at it, it's, it's as if every four years we're looking for a Savior. Church, we have a Savior we have a savior and his name is Jesus 
And I know there's this, this idea, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, Matt, that sounds great. And yeah, maybe it's biblical and you know, I, I get it. I, you know, and we give lip service to the kingdom of God and we give lip service to Jesus as the savior, but we give our hearts to the politicians and the platforms and the political sides that do not lead to life everlasting. Only Jesus brings life everlasting and life to the fullness. Only Jesus brings that. And church, if we don't display it, no one will. No one will. And I think it's a, I, I really do think it's out of pure motives and, and good intentions that we, we just kind of put our hope and our trust in this, that this new savior is gonna come along and this new savior is gonna fix everything that's broken and that, you know, and if just this happens, listen, the only king who is everlasting actually laid down his life willingly. He was killed and he came back to, to life and he is the only king that will outlive every single one of us and into eternity. He's the only king that has that kind of power. He's the only one that will restore and open the doors of the kingdom of God. Um, I'm learning more and more that where I stand in, in all kinds of spheres, where I stand is greatly influenced by where and with whom I've sat. And people have said this in a lot of different ways. This isn't my idea. But I'm learning more and more that when I enter into relationships and I listen humbly, and I listen, I don't just make statements and push my thoughts or my perspectives, but when I, when I truly listen to others and I sit with others in relationship, I learn so much and my perspective changes. My, my perspective changes. You know, there's, there's, um, there's a pastor uh, named Eugene Cho who, um, he just, he wrote a book a few months ago called Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. And um, it's about the political process. It's, it's, a, it's a whole book on politics, and, I, and I'm not going to, like, I, you guys know me. I don't endorse wholehearted things like that. But if you want to read it, you know, feel free to read it. But Eugene, um, his family is an immigrant family. His parents were, were born in North Korea. And when you walk through uh, that kind of story, your perspective on where you live changes, right? And so where he stands is greatly influenced by where and with whom he sat. And where I stand is greatly influenced by where and with whom I've sat. And Jesus, you know, his, his greatest commandment was to love each other. Right? I mean, we know that. This one commandment I give you, love one another. How can you love one another if you don't know one another? How can you know one another if you don't listen to one another? And how can we do this if we don't start with the people that are right around us? In fact, the story that Jesus tells to describe who our neighbor is, he uses someone who's ethnically different than his listeners. A Samaritan. 
who ethnically they felt like were the scum of the earth. That's who he uses to lift up this, this picture of being a good neighbor and loving your neighbor. He uses someone who's, who's ethnically different. And listen, if we, don't, if we don't listen to stories and listen to people who are different, I mean, that's gender, age, ethnicity, I mean, across the board, if we don't listen and enter into relationship with people that are different than us, we will not have a wide understanding like God does because he sees it all. And if we don't listen and if we don't learn and we don't start to love people who are just, who, who have different perspectives or are different, then we're gonna find ourselves in a very interesting place in eternity. Because there, the Bible's clear, every tongue, every tribe, every nation will be represented. Right? Have I made you mad yet? Just a few of you. Joe at McDowell.Church. Um, in, in Galatians, so Galatians was this letter in the New Testament where um, a bunch of diversity was coming together and you had people who felt like others shouldn't be there and Others who were there who were like, we can be here because Jesus, and they said that we could, and they're like, oh, but you eat the wrong thing, you shouldn't be here. So they have all this diversity kind of coming together, and they're trying to figure it out. And one of the things that Paul writes to them is this, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Like, shoulder, shoulder the weight of what holds other people down, and in doing this, in, in, in learning the stories and hearing the stories and walking alongside others, like that's where we're fulfilling what Christ calls us to do and to be in this world. Humility is what leads us to listen and to learn and to love. Um, and humility was, was best displayed in the life of Jesus. Now, I told you we're going to go to communion here in a minute, but this week, and I'm going to say this a couple times this morning, I want to encourage you to read the book of Colossians. It's a small little letter in the New Testament, and it's one of my favorite letters. But the book of Colossians is painting this picture of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And Paul wants us to get a vision of, of the goodness and the greatness of Jesus first and foremost. In a world that's going to pull us in so many different directions and beg for our hearts and our minds, like Paul wants us to get Jesus into the place that Jesus deserves. And he's, you know, he, 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 he says, may you be filled with joy and and may you live in the light because he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Like Jesus brings us from this place of darkness and chaos into the light, which is where Jesus is. And it says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God who's existed forever. And he's supreme over all of creation. It even says that he made the things in the, that we see, the things that we don't see. It, it even says thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities, like everything was created through Jesus. Jesus actually had a hand in all of it. 
And he says that God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in this Christ and through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace through Christ for you and for me. Now that should get an amen somewhere in the room. Like God did this for us, for you and for me. And, and this, what, what God accomplished through Christ deserves everything, our allegiance, our hope, our trust, he deserves it all. He deserves it all. Paul even says it includes you. You were once far away from God, but you were his enemies. Now he's brought you close through the death of Christ. Like it's Jesus that accomplishes this. Okay, back to David. So that's my make some people angry piece. And then back to David, into the story. So we come back to David, and David is, you know, after he goes through this horrible story in his life where he, you know, murders Uriah and all, all this, um, he's confronted by Nathan. And he comes face to face with his pride. And I think some of us need to come face to face with our, with our pride and our lack of humility. I need to come, oftentimes, need to come face to face with my pride and my lack of humility. And just, and so, out of that, out of that moment, this is what David writes. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Listen, I think this is what we need to pray. I, mean, I think this, as we go to communion, I think this is what we need to pray, Christians, followers of Jesus, those who claim that Jesus is king, create in me a clean heart. Don't we need that in our world? Don't we need that? A clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. Like, like pull out that, that old pride, that heart of pride and ugliness that's within me. And then he says, David says, don't banish me from your presence. God, I need you. Like, I need you more than anything else. And, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Please, God. Like, I need your life-giving spirit in me, realizing that nothing in the world is going to give me life like you are. And then he, he I mean, there's, this is a whole chapter. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And the next, uh, the next line, restore to me the joy. Listen, Listen, in this season, restore to me the joy of whose salvation? Your salvation, God's salvation, the salvation that comes through Jesus. Restore to me, remind me that salvation is in Jesus alone. No, no one else, no other name, no other platform, no other party. Remind me and restore within me the joy of your salvation. Remind me of that, God, and help me to walk with you. Help me obey you. Help me to journey with you. And communion, this table that we come to on occasion, uh, this little piece of bread that is simply a reminder of the brokenness of Jesus, what God was willing to go through, the humility, the humiliation for us, 
And then this cup of juice that is this reminder of the blood of Jesus on that cross that covers us completely. That, that when we recognize like our own brokenness and our own sinfulness and our own pride, we, we're reminded that it's the blood of Jesus that like sets us free. And here's the deal when it comes to God. Here's the deal. It's all his work. It's not your strength. It's not your strength. It's not your strength. It's not your strength to get it right and to clean it up. It's not your strength or your strength or your strength. It's not your strength or your strength or your strength. It's not your strength and it's not your ability to figure it out. And it's not my strength. Hallelujah that it's not based on me. It's based on Jesus. He's paid the price completely. And listen, we simply get to say yes to God's love. I mean, we just simply agree and say, yes, I'll take that. God, I want that. And maybe today, maybe today, maybe today you're getting a renewed sense of God's love and his grace and his mercy and the salvation that's only in Jesus, not in humans or our abilities or our, you know, it's in Jesus alone. And so maybe today when you take this bread and this cup, maybe you say yes to Jesus. Would you say yes to Jesus today? Will you just agree with God and lean into his love and lean into his grace and let him be the savior that he's, what he's already accomplished, will you let him be your savior? Will you let him set you free? So as we sing um, today, take communion and lean into his love. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. He, he loves you. Uh, beyond anything you've done. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. God, thanks for your great love for us. Thank you for the display of this love in Jesus. And I pray we would lean into that and that we would run to you again and again and again in Jesus' name.